the new channel. the new channel hashtag TNC now the views opinions and insights expressed in the following shows are those of the host producers guests and viewers they do not necessarily reflect the position of the channel viewer discretion is advised hello and welcome to the new channel our passion transforms community that sees all things new i am joseph sylvester and i'm streaming live from paranyake good morning good afternoon and good evening welcome to episode 10 the merge life after proof of work season one episode 10 on tnc Hello and welcome back to uh, our show today. All right, so today we are going to discuss Ethereum and the so-called merge that's going to take place this coming week around September 15th and 16th. All right, so let's get into it. All right, so let's understand what is the merge and how it will affect Ethereum in three specific areas, okay, such as price and investment, development, and what are we to expect for upcoming projects post-launch of the merge. All right, so if I can get my slides, if I can display my slides. All right, so let's do it. So we have to understand first, okay? We have to understand first, you know, what, what is the merge? Now, to keep things very basic, because there's a lot of things going on, especially in terms of uh, techie-related items, Basically, what the merge is, is the migration of the current Ethereum consensus algorithm from proof of work to proof of stake. Okay. Now, to put things in perspective, we need to understand first why consensus is important before we talk about how will this affect the markets, specifically uh, Ethereum. So again, I'll try to leave out um, some technical jargon to keep it simplified for our viewers because there are actually a lot of things going on with the merge, okay? So briefly, I will explain what is consensus. So consensus, whenever we hear that word, especially when it's associated to blockchain, it's how a blockchain governs itself when it comes to transaction confirmation and finality. Um, it also includes governance and proposals and other enhancements on its own chain. However, let's not confuse this with DAO or a decentralized autonomous organization. Consensus is more focused on transactions and the ecosystem of a blockchain that confirms these transactions, okay? Okay, so when we talk about proof of work, okay, so that's what this episode is about. It's the idea of proof of work. Okay, so proof of work is basically a consensus algorithm in blockchain. Okay, not one blockchain because blockchain is plural. There's many blockchains out there. However, 
uh, when we talk about proof of work, it is a way for a blockchain uh, for blockchain transactions to be confirmed by those securing the network. Now, in terms of proof of work, uh, you know, we have people who secure the network. And who are these types of people? So these are people that use video cards, okay? People using very specialized and powerful machines. And maybe people with regular computer systems. On top of that, uh, being in the field for so long, I've seen people use cloud servers and they've configured these cloud servers for mining. Okay, it is possible. Okay, now to most people, this is looked upon as very decentralized because anyone can secure the Ethereum blockchain and get an incentive, which in this case is, you know, more Ethereum. Okay, now. <clears throat> Proof of work <clears throat> in today's terms has been questioned by several people like developers <clears throat> who want to see an improvement on transaction speed. Excuse me. <clears throat> so on top of other things like reducing Ethereum's carbon footprint, such as energy reduction. <clears throat> so in Ethereum's case, layer two solutions like Polygon were created that are forked from Ethereum's core code to improve transaction speeds, but on another chain. Okay. So what do I mean by forked? Okay. This means people copied Ethereum's core code. They created their own blockchain and through some technical know-how, that chain automatically becomes EVM compatible meaning that blockchain contains an Ethereum virtual machine that handles smart contract code. This means while transactions are being confirmed on one chain, let's say, for example, Polygon, okay, like Polygon, the same confirm, uh, the same confirmed transactions are sent over to Ethereum, okay? So in a way, there is dual confirmation, okay? The EVM between both chains allows for simultaneous communication, okay? So that's why it's possible. So in other words, if, you know, in this example, Polygon confirms the transaction on the Polygon chain and then sends that confirmed transaction over to Ethereum, okay? Now, the reason why this happens is because Polygon can transact more transactions than Ethereum because it is proof of stake. It's a proof of stake blockchain. So it can handle more transactions per second. So when the transaction is confirmed, it sends that transaction down to, to Ethereum. And that's why it's called a layer two blockchain. Okay. Uh, because it's built on top of Ethereum. Okay. Now, we can use this same explanation or the same analogy for Bitcoin as a layer one chain because several other cryptocurrencies copied Bitcoin core code, such as Bitcoin, in which its Lightning Network works on top of Bitcoin to provide fast transactions for Bitcoin and Litecoin. Now, so let's discuss the speeds of Ethereum. Okay. So as of right now, Ethereum does about 15 to 20 transactions per second. However, it has gotten a bit faster, but there's still a few minutes of wait time for a transaction to be confirmed. Okay. <clears throat> now, if you've ever tried to cash out Ethereum, especially here in the Philippines through certain providers, there is a painstaking wait time that you'll have to go through. And I've been through it myself, uh, you know, because when it hits another wallet, it does take some time but not as bad as 10 years ago. It was super slow, okay? That's how old I am. <laughs> now, Ethereum, okay, which is, by the way, ranked number two by market cap alone, puts developers and investors in a dilemma because of transaction speeds. As you see here, ETH can only do up to 15 to 20 transactions per second, okay? Now, Ethereum not only has the weight as an investment tool, but the digital currency Ethereum has so many use cases as of the moment that makes developers want and need the transaction speeds 
to be enhanced or improved. So it's a it's a necessary thing that developers want. Okay, and because of this, a lot of developers who built on Ethereum first have decided to move their project or their application over to faster blockchains. Okay, in this case, um, a lot of the Ethereum blockchains, uh, Ethereum. Uh, applications have moved to faster blockchains such as Polygon, yeah? But why? why? Why move it to Polygon? Well, it's because Polygon has, you know, it's it's EVM compatible, basically. It's a EVM compatible blockchain, so you don't really have to rewrite the smart contract code, okay? Same thing goes with Binance Smart Chain, so on and so forth, okay? So, transaction speeds, are one of the hindrances of blockchain adoption for uh, particular chains like Ethereum, okay? Now, here's what I mean. So I've basically built up an application, which I've pretty much modified, okay? So here, let me show you something. Now, for example, now in most cases, if you've dealt with block uh, cryptocurrency transactions before, the old fashioned way is, if you want to send cryptocurrency from wallet to wallet, usually the case is uh, I would have to ask you for your wallet address. Okay, I'll, you'll either copy or paste it and send it to me, and on my mobile device, you know, I'll put it into uh, the wallet that I need to send it into. Okay, now on Ethereum, doing it that way. Now again, like I said, it has gotten faster over time. But still, there is a wait time of, let's say, maybe less than two minutes now. So meaning it has gotten better, okay? However, that wait time, um, that wait time basically adds to, you know, the psychological anxiety, especially it, when money is involved. Because usually a lot of people uh, kind of um, freak out, meaning why is this transaction taking so long? So this application that I kind of modified a bit, Basically, I'm using the Solana blockchain, okay? We'll get down to transactions per second a bit later. But what I want to prove to you guys is this. Let's say I wanted to send, let's say, Solana from my wallet, uh, from my cryptocurrency wallet here. Um, and I'm going to use this, what you see on your screen, as an example. Let's say this is a kiosk. I'm going to buy something. So, for example, if this item is worth, let's say, 0 0.01 soul. That's the QR code. And if I wanted to send something on my mobile, I would just scan this, okay? So I'm gonna hit send. So what's gonna happen is that it's gonna say transaction complete. That literally took seconds versus what Ethereum was doing, which takes about a couple minutes just to confirm a transaction, okay? So speed, when we're talking about money, is actually the key. And that's the reason why a lot of the uh, blockchain applications moved over to faster blockchains, right? Now, again, this was Solana. Okay, let me go back. Now, so what this means is developers move their projects over to faster blockchains. In this case, I use Solana as an example because speed is the key, all right? Now, what is the solution? Okay, what is the solution? So Ethereum is slow. So the solution right now, which is what we're discussing today, is basically, you know, the merge or what we OGs call ETH 2.0. And yes, I use the word OG, I'm that old. Okay, so this merge does contain a few questions, such as what will be Ethereum's new transaction speeds once the merge completes or post-merge? Now, the answer from what I've researched is as high as 100,000 transactions per second, okay? 100,000 transactions per second. So this puts it neck to neck with other blockchains promising or already doing transaction speeds, at least at the 1,000 transaction per second mark. So here are a few examples. I just showcased Solana earlier. It does 50,000 transactions per second. It is very fast. Next uh, example would be Algorand. It does 1,300 transactions per second, moving 
down the list is Phantom at 25,000 transactions per second. And last but not least, EOS. It does 4,000 transactions per second, okay? Now, when we look at how transaction speeds will increase on Ethereum, on Ethereum based on the numbers, we're looking at Ethereum surpassing credit card transaction speeds, okay? So check this out. Visa does roughly 65,000 transactions per second on their network. If we look at MasterCard, it does about 5,000 transactions per second, okay? Give, give or take. But ETH post-merge will be doing 100,000 transactions per second, okay? So it's literally going to beat out major credit card companies such as Visa and MasterCard. Now, here's the thing. So if Ethereum can reach transaction speeds higher than Visa or MasterCard, along with its inherent value priced by the market, okay, Ethereum could be viewed as true digital currency, similar to how most of us view Bitcoin, okay? So now, when we talk about Bitcoin, um, I mentioned it earlier in the previous slides that we view it or it has the transaction speeds now because it uses um, the layer two solution um, created by the Lightning Network, right? So when we talk about Bitcoin, it solved its slow transaction speeds years ago. And again, it was solved because of the Lightning Network. That made Bitcoin transfer speeds and confirmation significantly faster. Now, with faster speeds and its inherent value as digital gold, we will, in my opinion, honestly, we will see Ethereum be viewed finally as digital silver. You know, it's digital silver. So now, you know, Bitcoin transacts fast. We now have Ethereum transacting just as fast. Okay. So Bitcoin would be considered gold. Ethereum would be considered uh, silver in this case. Okay. Okay. So now we understand now what is the merge and what will happen uh, to uh, Ethereum transaction speeds and how it sizes up against other fast blockchains. Okay. <clears throat> so now before we get into price projection and investment, okay. Uh, let me just make a note here that, you know, anything that I say is not investment advice. This is just education, and I'm just providing information on research, basically, our team has done. Okay. So let's start, let us start with Ethereum uh, and smart contracts. So Ethereum, okay, the Ethereum ecosystem first introduced to us concepts like smart contracts, which has led to specific things in the realm of finance, which are, you know, you have your DeFi, you have your swaps, okay? Now, if you dealt with swaps, you already know you have Uniswap, SushiSwap, uh, PancakeSwaps, okay? You also have decentralized exchanges, okay? And last but not least, staking. So there's a lot more that Ethereum has introduced after they uh, introduced the concept of smart contracts, but these four are your main ones. So now uh, let's discuss how Ethereum, once the merge has completed, will bring about new opportunities on how we use Ethereum to invest. Okay, now, so let's discuss staking, okay? Since we are on the topic of Ethereum becoming proof of stake, basically staking ETH was, was was never possible directly to the blockchain okay it was always done through um smart contracts by other projects but when you stake your eth instead you would get another token in return a good example would be ave's platform where if you had eth you can stake your eth on whatever cryptocurrencies that they were uh providing and in return you would earn more of that cryptocurrency on top of that you would earn Aave's um, staking token which can be used as a way to kind of like 
uh, used to swap it out for ETH. Okay. So in terms of staking, you would stake ETH for a certain period of time. You would get Aave token. Once your stake is done, you would get your ETH back and some Aave token. So that's how staking kind of works. It's kind of it's kind of like a savings account. You know, you earn interest. Okay. Now, um, let's move on. Now, when we talk about um, staking, yeah, when we talk about staking post-merge, this means basically um, you can basically stake your Ethereum um, a lot more directly now. Um, and I'll explain this in the later slides, but this basically means mining Ethereum, as mentioned in the previous slide, using, let's say, computers, um, you know, cloud servers, things like that. Uh, it's no longer necessary, actually. Uh, and that is the reason why, you know, if you've seen the markets now, a lot of the video cards, you know, they're flooding the markets. No one needs them anymore. So we're noticing a drop in video card prices. Okay. Why? It's because that when you have Ethereum, okay, that's all you need now. You just need Ethereum. You don't need hardware. If you have Ethereum, you can literally stake your Ethereum directly to a validator, a qualified validator. Okay. And in return, when you stake your Ethereum with that validator, over time, you will, you know, you will earn more Ethereum back. Okay. Now, so in a way, this is kind of like saying, I'm creating more Ethereum with Ethereum. Okay. So think of it like an interest-bearing uh, account, okay? That's how staking kind of works. Now, just to understand a bit of, uh, okay, yeah. So just to understand a bit of how validators um, have come to be in the whole merge process, we have to understand that when you become or apply for a validator, you need to have at least 32 ETH to qualify. After that, there are a few prerequisites. They'll check you out in terms of what kind of hardware, who is your team, so on and so forth. There's a lot of prerequisites involved. Okay. Now, let's say if you have more ETH than the 32 required, basically you have more influence than the other validators, okay? So the question is, who are these validators uh, that have influence on the Ethereum network and have passed screening? This is going to be very important moving forward post-merge, okay? What you see on your screen basically is the pool distribution of known validators and their percentage, I guess you can say, of how much ETH and influence that they have um, on the uh, as an Ethereum validator. So you'll notice that the largest, uh, you would assume Binance would be the largest, but it's actually this uh, this validator pool called Lido, okay? Followed by a whole bunch of unknowns, followed by some uh, followed by Coinbase, Kraken, Binance, Stake US, uh, and so on and so forth, okay? So why is this important? The reason why I'm showing, uh, showing this graph is to kind of inform the audience that there will come a time, especially when you get into the, especially if you're new to blockchain, especially if you're new to Ethereum, that people are, or projects out there will start to advertise themselves as, yeah, we're a validator. We're part of this validator pool for, um, you know, Ethereum now, so on and so forth. But when we look at this uh, pie graph, now, again, it might change later. But when we look at this, uh, this graph that I'm showing to uh, everyone right now, is that if someone comes up to you saying that, yeah, stake your Ethereum with me, I'm a validator, I'm going to check this pie chart over here and say, if your name is not on it, I don't trust you, or, you know, I'll do some research, okay? Because that's one of the things about cryptocurrencies is that, you know, I've been in this game for several years now. You you encounter a lot of scams, so doing your own research is going to be very important. But you can use this uh, pie graph or this little chart I made for you guys as a baseline 
to, um, you know, make your own decision, basically. Okay. So, <clears throat> again, you can go down to this site, uh, be, uh, basically over here, over at source, uh, beaconcha.in forward slash charts. Yeah. Now, we understand how we can make crypto with more crypto. Okay. Staking. That's the idea here. But now what about investment? What is the market saying about where the potential price of ETH can go? Okay. For this part, we need to understand, uh, you know, unlike Bitcoin, Ethereum will start to go through what is known as triple halving events. Okay. Triple halving events. So you might ask yourself, how is this done? All right. So I'll explain to you. I'll try to explain this very uh, slowly. Now, upon research, basically what's happening is that Ethereum validators year over year will have decreased annual rewards. So the entire validator network earns roughly, give or take, 13,500 ETH per day, but divided amongst the total validators in the system. Now, over time, year over year, okay, that ETH per day will reduce probably down to 5,000 or probably less, which means significantly less Ethereum to be divided up against other validators over time. Now, what this basically does, okay, is that it will decrease cell pressure of holders because the Ethereum, okay, in total selection at any given time will be reduced. So similar to Bitcoin's 21 million, because now there is a, we can call it a burn mechanism. Okay. This burn mechanism reduces the total supply of Ethereum. Now, just like Bitcoin over the years, People we will either hold Bitcoin, you know, and then basically, you know, they'll think twice whether or not they want to sell off or maybe they just want to hold on to it probably for a more higher price uh, long term. So to translate what we're looking at um, in terms of what do you call this to translate, basically, uh, we're looking at a 30 percent. Uh, reduction of cell pressure, okay, or cell pressure is reduced by 30%. However, that's not how the world works sometimes, even though even in the documentation, Ethereum's documentation, that's what they're expecting, that the cell pressure will be reduced 30%. Uh, if you were to translate that, that's not looking at it in the micro sense, okay, meaning on the one day or the one month, we're talking about super macro, probably we're talking about months or years, then we can start saying, oh, okay, that's what they meant by 30% cell pressure. So everything on the Ethereum documentation is actually more macro related versus micro. Okay. So longer time frames is what I'm saying. Okay. So of course, if you've been in the market, like I have, I think, and I would assume everyone has seen uh, cryptocurrencies such as Doge coin, literally spike up a thousand percent and then crash down a thousand percent all within the same day. So again, okay. Um, you know, when you trade the crypto markets, you know, trading is highly, highly volatile. However, in the macro sense, meaning long-term, okay. Uh, this could be true, meaning the cell pressure is actually around 30%, uh, which is reduced by 30%. Okay. Now, the next part is that Ethereum gas fees will be used to burn Ethereum tokens, which also adds to the limited supply of Ethereum post-merge. Okay. So in a sense, there is a burning mechanism. Now, uh, what this basically means is that um, at any given time, okay, at any given time, and I will try to explain this a little bit after the break, is that there's a lot of transactions happening on Ethereum, okay? And with that being said, what I want to say is, how about this? We'll take a little break, and then when we come back, I'll discuss how 
the uh, the Ethereum burn rate affects um, Ethereum post merge. How about that? So we'll take a break right now. Puppets face to face with special guests Makata Tawanan, Jess Box, and the Lunaria Marionette Show. Alam mo nito lok kung wala ako hindi ka magsasalita. Alam mo nito ano lok kung wala ako magsasalita ka nagisa. <laughs> kung wala ako wala kang masusuot. Kung wala ako wala kang nakakain. <laughs> October 30, Sunday, 7 p.m. at the Levedad Auditorium in Apalit, Pampanga. Buy your tickets now and see you soon, face to face. Welcome back. I am Joseph Sylvester, and you're still watching episode 10, The Merge, Life After Proof of Work. The New Channel is an online alternative new media platform of online shows for people on the go. Please share it to your friends and family and watch all our shows as seen on screen. TNC aims to transform the lives of our viewers through engaging, authentic, and original content. Our channel is a responsible, global, 24-7 platform that showcases Filipino talent, global influencers, cultural intelligence, and ingenuity. Imagine having your own show, your own playlist, your own content, but we make it easier for you. You can catch Crypto Chic episodes every other Saturday at 1.30 p.m. You can watch live or on replay via Facebook or YouTube. Follow us on IG. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search hashtag TNC now 
for sponsorships or other inquiries, please email now at thenewchannel.com or send us a direct message. Enjoy these life-changing shows because we made them for you. All right. Okay. All right. So let's continue on where we kind of left off. Uh, give me a second here. Okay. So we're talking about the burn rates of Ethereum now. Okay. So this is a very important feature in terms of tokenomics is the burn rate. Okay. Now, <clears throat> in terms of Ethereum being burned, we have to also understand, okay, that when we talk about, you know, which blockchain in terms of decentralized applications uh, basically run, you know, rules all, you know, rules all is basically Ethereum. Now you have other blockchains out there, as you see on my, if we can bring up my, uh, my slide. Thank you. So we can see right now, okay, that Ethereum takes up nearly or close to 80% of the entire DAP economy. Okay. Uh, yes, there's EOS, you got Steam, so on and so forth. There's other blockchains, but they don't take up as much, um, unlike Ethereum. Okay. So a lot of DAPs are built using Ethereum. Now, with that being said, when we go back to the burning rate of Ethereum post merge, okay, whenever a transaction goes through on one of these DAPs, a gas fee is always charged to that transaction. Now, a lot of the gas fees, they don't, they're not necessarily, you know, one ETH. They're like 0 0.000032, very, very small amounts. But when we factor in that a lot of the dApps out there are built on ETH and you have at least thousands of users transacting, you know, the gas you know, if you if you were to do a total, will eventually equal up to at the end of the month, probably probably a good one thousand ETH. Okay. Now, do note that post merge validators on a daily basis, okay, but divided up amongst the validators, will only have around roughly thirteen thousand five hundred ETH. But when uh, ETH gets burnt through gas. 13,500 could easily become only 8,000 ETH divided up against all the validators in the ecosystem. So then th that's where we get the idea of scarcity, okay? Now, using that example, eventually year over year, the daily distribution to the validators of ETH will be significantly reduced, okay? So again, we're talking about the idea of what is the price projection, what is the investment value if I were to if you or I were to invest in ETH. We understand now that the value of ETH is now present. Okay, that is my point. Okay. Now, what can we expect from ETH in the next couple of years or maybe months? Okay. So let's understand that price projection-wise, in a macro sense, will always be up, okay? It will always be up in the macro sense. And when I say macro, I mean super long-term, okay? Okay, but in terms of the merge, okay, in terms of the merge and the merge itself, the event taking place on September 15th and 16th, you know, in a micro sense, does the ETH merge do anything to satisfy, let's say, a spike or a bull run, at least in Ethereum? The answer is anything could happen. You know, if you've been in the crypto uh, cryptocurrency market for a while, you've seen some crazy stuff happen to coins. They'll pump and then they'll dump. However, looking at Ethereum, it is a good project. It always has been a good project. But of course, we're looking at events Okay, maybe some manipulation, some hype, maybe some pumping going on with Ethereum. It could pump. Anything could happen is the answer, to be honest. I don't have a solid answer. So 
if we check the markets and the market cycles to understand what could happen, okay? So this is basically um, a little chart that I kind of built out, okay? Now this chart, um, I'm, I got it from TradingView. And again, this is just a educated guess. When you look at this chart, whether you're an Elliottitian, okay, uh, or maybe you're basically support and resistance, what this chart is signifying is that, okay, what, what this chart is basically saying is that, you know, it can go in either direction. It literally can at this point. It can go up and spike and then come down or just keep continuing down. We don't know. Okay. Now, a lot of you might say, oh, but it's going down. The trend is down. It hit a resistance point right here on the red. And it tried to break it four times previously. It just didn't go through. So obviously it's going to go down. And with that type of technical analysis, you could be right. You could be right. It will go down even if the merge happens. But again, anything can happen in this market. So the answer is I don't know. I don't know what the price will be in the next couple of hours. Okay. Now, <clears throat> now. I did mention previously that post-merge, Ethereum will go through what is known as triple halvings, okay? Triple halvings. Now, triple, three. So what was the previous all-time high of ETH? Roughly around $4,500, okay? If we were to say times three, we would assume that, hey, you know, the highest point this this whatever next bull run will happen, we can see ETH at roughly $13,500. Well, okay, that's that's fine. I mean, but the question is when, you know? I don't have the answer for that. But technical analysis on the macro sense kind of dictates that it could be within that range or level. But the question is when, okay? But in terms of just the macro sense, technical analysis, yeah, it's going to probably hit somewhere in that range, not exactly those numbers, okay? Again, anything can happen, okay? Now, the other part that I need to, yeah, so the other part that I need to also emphasize here, again, this is not invet, uh, um, invet, investment advice. We also have to take a look at other factors as well. I mean, when you look at the cryptocurrency market, Right now, it's around 1.09 uh, trillion U.S. dollars, okay? So unlike, um, I think it was in 2021 or earlier this year, basically, we were close to around 3.4, 3.5, closing in on $4 trillion. So there was a lot of mar money in the market. Right now, there's not enough money in the market to do um, significant moves that will last a while, kind of like how when you enter a bull market cycle, money is pouring in. Right now, money is leaving the market. Some money is probably being poured in as well. So again, we don't know. However, my guess is at 1.09 trillion, I don't think we're going to see 13,500 USD Ethereum anytime soon, just to put it out there. Okay. So one of the things is, you know, okay, I'm not a trader, okay? But now you're telling me all these things, what to uh, what to watch out for, what to look out for. So what kind of projects are out there that we kind of need to look out for if I'm not a trader? Okay, so here's the good news. Okay, so with the research that I've done, okay, there's a lot of metaverse projects out there and they're they're coming out like left and right now. Uh, the metaverse projects are basically usually your 3D game looking type of um, applications. Okay, I, in previous episodes of Crypto Chic, here on TNC, I've showcased what a metaverse looks like. But keep in mind, metaverse um, applications, <clears throat> okay, metaverse applications is more of a hangout area for people to transact, trade some cryptos, things like that. But it's usually in the form of 3D. It doesn't have to be 3D, but usually it is 3D, okay? Moving forward, we have DeFi applications. Okay. So DeFi applications, especially with Ethereum migrating over to proof of stake, we're going to be looking at more swaps, more swap services. Okay, We're also going to be looking at a lot more decentralized exchanges and a lot more staking 
projects. Okay. Um, we also have, you know, gaming applications. Okay. Now again, we're all we're, we're talking about Ethereum here, so we have gaming projects. Um, gaming projects, especially with a faster transaction speed, as stated earlier, we're talking about cryptocurrencies like ETH right now. Um, you know, sending and receiving transactions a lot more faster. We're going to we're talking about a higher rate of adoption. Okay. And last but not least, of course, I didn't mention the validator pools. Now you're going to, you, these will be popping up left and right, but please use the pie chart as a base reference to make your decisions, whether or not you want to stake your ETH with whatever validator pool that approaches you. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Now, so we talked about um, things to watch out for. Okay, so things to watch out for are basically enhancements to Ethereum. And those enhancements trickle down to the application level. As mentioned, we'll see enhancements in the DeFi applications, the gaming, and of course, the staking, which is your validator pool. But what about things such as blockchain adoption? Okay, that is one of the biggest things I've been asked uh, just recently, you know, um, when we talk about blockchain adoption, especially in businesses, we're looking at it at kind of like um, it's like this. Because there's so many resources to um, program a smart contract um, on Ethereum using Solidity, okay, there's a lot of resources out there. And what tends to happen is businesses or industries can start looking in-house within their own, let's say, their own development team, okay? Because when we look at Ethereum, when we look at Solidity, which is the smart contract uh, code language uh, written to write smart contracts for Ethereum or any EVM blockchain, it's very similar to, let's say, JavaScript. It's very similar to C, okay? Things like that. Now, the point that I'm trying to make here is when businesses or industries start to adopt blockchain, now Ethereum, because it can handle the transaction speeds, okay, we're looking at a more um, easier adoption of blockchain, especially just by using Ethereum alone. So what does that mean for industries? Again, in-house developers versus hiring um, extremely skilled uh, blockchain developers. I'm going to be very honest with you. Getting into um, Solidity smart contract coding, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it takes time. But if you already have knowledge of a previous language, understanding how to write a smart contract isn't that difficult, to be very honest with you. Security-wise, you will have problems there, security-wise. But to write a smart contract uh, code or write a smart contract for Ethereum, you know, if you understand a few languages like C or JavaScript, it's very easy to write a smart contract, okay? So what does that mean as well? Industries start to, you know, lessen costs. They can use their own in-house development team, so on and so forth. Because, again, there's a lot of tools for Ethereum to understand and how to write. There's a lot of tools and resources out there, okay? All right, so let's move on. And so we're talking about um, a blockchain adoption for industries, okay? Other than industries, where do we see Ethereum, Ethereum post-merge being used in now since we will have the transaction speeds needed, okay? So we are also looking at uh, decentralized uh, social media. Now, there is a project out there currently under Polygon, but they use um, this project called Lens Protocol. Now, if you ever read the documentation of Lens Protocol, to summarize, basically all it is is a decentralized um, social media network. And what they basically do is that if you create an account under Lens Protocol through Polygon, basically you have a Lens Protocol social media account. 
and every post that you do, your account, it is a NFT, okay? And people can buy your posts, okay? So it's the idea of ownership of your social media account. It's ownership of your posts, uh, so on and so forth, okay? So there are existing projects in the realm of decentralized social media. Lens Protocol is one of them, okay? But with the, what does that also mean? for Ethereum post-merge. As mentioned before, Polygon can do um, can do thousands of transactions per second, okay? Plus, it's a lot cheaper. Now, Ethereum, as mentioned before, is basically silver. It's digital silver. There is a lot of value in it versus Polygon, okay? So, what we're, we could be looking at is more high-value decentralized social media platforms, probably including influencers or, let's say, celebrities, because the value is there, okay? Now, I'm not saying there's no value in Lens Protocol because they use Polygon, but that's the concept, okay? That's just the concept. So now, what other use cases can Ethereum be used in, in industries? We can also talk about logistics in terms of, let's say, Amazon, okay? When we look at Amazon, there's a lot of purchases involved. There's a lot of shipments going out of the warehouses being delivered to um, houses out there. Same thing with, like, let's say, Lazada or Shopee, okay? It's the same concept. Someone orders online, it gets placed in some database, okay? That database you know, shoots out to whatever warehouse that has the product, and then that warehouse then delivers that product to whoever bought the product. So there's a logistics, um, I guess, lineup uh, involved in that process. Okay. So let's move on. Now, I did show you guys earlier, okay, this Solana application that I've uh, modified. Okay, so will we be seeing more of this? The answer is not specifically this application, but what we're going to be looking at really is that we're going to be using a lot of mobile phones, okay, that have, let's say, cryptocurrency wallets with the QR code scanner built in to start accepting payments versus the old ways, okay, which is give me your wallet address, I'll send you the cryptos that way. Okay, the QR code scanner applications, like I kind of showed you, will be something that will be emerging in terms of, let's say, Ethereum post-merge. There are applications out there where you can send Ethereum through a QR code. Trust me, it's already there. Okay, but that's at the app level. What about kiosks? Kiosks can use the idea and wrap it into a business sense for other products, especially in the world of retail, okay? So there's a lot of things. Okay, so now let's talk about, um, let's talk about more of the price projection now because what we're looking at finally, this is the part that I wanna kind of emphasize before the show ends, is that we have on-chain versus off-chain um, dictation of prices. So let me explain what I mean. When we talk about on-chain um, activities, on-chain activities means that there is something happening real-time on that blockchain. In this case, we're talking about Ethereum. So for example, if we talk about something on-chain, it's usually something that deals with, do you have the cryptocurrencies or do you not? If you do not have the cryptocurrencies, you cannot perform the transaction. But if you have the cryptocurrency or the NFT, you know, and you want to send it to somebody else, that is an activity happening on chain. Now, when we look at off chain activities, off chain activities basically deal with things that happen from outside factors. Now I'm not going to name centralized exchanges, but I've 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 worked for some in the past, and what they tend to do is that if you deposit cryptocurrency with this particular exchange, you're not really 
trading that asset. You're trading a representation of that asset on that particular exchange, okay? And that asset will reflect, let's say, in your holdings account. However, certain centralized exchanges, because they use this method, a lot of what's happening is actually off-chain activity. The moment it becomes on-chain is usually in events like if you're going to, let's say, deposit cryptocurrency, withdraw cryptocurrency, or send cryptocurrency to another, let's say, um, exchange accounts. So those things are on-chain, but a majority of your trades are usually, okay, usually in centralized exchanges, usually off-chain activities. It does not get reflected. But when we talk about decentralized exchanges, and that includes your swaps, like your sushi swap, your pancake swap, things like that. They utilize smart contract code, and you can see the activity happening in real time. So here's where I want to kind of leave everybody off with. If Ethereum post-merge, you know, has so much value, has way more um, use cases or yeah, use cases out there for applications for businesses and other things. You would assume that, let's say, on the decentralized exchanges, there will be more value given to ETH versus the centralized exchanges. That would be true in a sense because now what we're looking at is the community, meaning the Ethereum users actually dictating maybe a higher price for Ethereum, which will force centralized exchanges to reflect and say if they are if the decentralized exchanges have a higher price for eth and we're and the centralized exchanges are selling it for a lot lower you know psychology dictates that people want to go where the money is so they'll leave the centralized exchanges for the decentralized exchanges because there is a higher price for your eth over there this is basic this is basic arbitrage okay Meaning you, you try to find the higher rates or the higher prices. This is arbitrage or arbitrage 101. With that being said, if that is the case, this would be the first time that I've seen, at least for myself, in, decade, in, in over a decade where a cryptocurrency in terms of the community in a decentralized way actually is no longer manipulated by centralized exchanges. Okay, so we're going to see, and I'm hoping for more decentralization post merge, meaning the community, you know, the community dictates the price, not the centralized exchanges. But again, let's be realistic here. We just got to wait and see what's going to happen. But if that is the case, it will also be a template for other cryptocurrencies to follow so that they too are not. Um, we can use the word manipulated here in terms of price, but that's the idea of what cryptocurrency is, at least in terms of Ethereum post-merge, okay? So I know that was a mouthful, and then hopefully, you know, you guys learned something today in terms of what is the merge, what to look out for, what are the enhancements, and what are the industries getting into, um, you know, into, let's say, into Ethereum, because now... We have several layer two blockchains, Polygon, Polkadot, Phantom, so on and so forth. They're great. They're great blockchains. But now when we look at Ethereum for it being the silver to Bitcoin's gold, and it now has the um, transaction speeds, okay, we are looking at, in, in my educated guess, in my educated opinion, you know, we're going to see good times for Ethereum, hopefully price-wise and hopefully in terms of development-wise as well. So my name is Joseph Sylvester. That's it for today. And thank you for being on today's show. So thank you so much. I'll see you guys again later.